0: Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together, you and I are doing things differently. We are choosing, we are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our terms. And if you are here as a first-time listener or a seasoned listener, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to be here and expand and grow yourself every single week. I'm interviewing an epic human, making a beautiful impact in the world to support you in doing exactly the same. And I invest a lot of time, energy, and effort to pull out the best stuff from the guests that you are listening to so that you can go out and create a bigger impact, as I just said. And today's legendary leader of impact is Ketan Mekwana. And in this episode, you're going to learn so much, but I want you to look out for three specific things as always. Number one, what someone accidentally calling him "cretin Marijuana <laughs> had to do with him coming up with a design that ended up becoming used by medical practices throughout the UK and taking the company from $250,000 to just under $6 million in the one division he was in control of. So that's thing number one. Thing number two, how Kenton ended up serving as a special advisor to a UK prime minister. And as a hint, it has to do with what he calls manhandling him (laughs) and thinking he was about to end up in jail. And number three, why you need to take the time to know what business you're actually in, and it's probably not what you think it is. So who is today's guest? Who is Ketan? Well, here is his bio with extensive career experience in IT, electronics, and healthcare, Ketan moved into self-employment and entrepreneurship in 2009 during the economic crash. Since then, Keton has successfully launched, scaled and sold multiple ventures in the recruitment and marketing verticals. In 2011, Kenton launched enterprise lab, a talent and business innovation agency that now operates in 26 countries and boasts a network of 250 experienced professionals delivering in their niche. In 2021, during the core of the pandemic, Kenton co-founded 77 ventures, a venture partner platform that focuses on the digital and technology acceleration of the creative industry. Industries. Ketan has served as a special advisor to a UK prime minister and former president. He is regularly involved in economic policy shaping for several governments with a high focus on digital economy. Ketan is a renowned international speaker, having delivered keynotes across five continents and 42 cities. So I met Ketan as a result of another guest that I've had on the show, Brian Grasso, good friend of mine. And when he told me about Ketan, he was like, this guy is literally a legend leader of impact. When I mentioned leader of impact, this was the first person that came to mind for him. And so I am super excited to introduce you because he does not disappoint. He is so wise and has so much experience. And I'm so excited for you to listen to all the incredible content that he shares with you today. So with all that said, please enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Ketan Mekwana. If you had to pick between a making a ton of money B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today, we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast. Ketan, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you, my friend. This is gonna be an absolute blast. Thank you very much, Brandon, for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor. It's an honor. Of course, of course, of course. And uh, I know we were introduced by our good mutual friend, Brian Grasso, and we're gonna have a, a ton of fun unpacking your journey your brilliant wisdom and it was kind of funny in preparation for this i texted brian i'm like what are some things that i should ask ketten and uh so as a as a teaser he told me to ask about cretin marijuana he told me to talk about uh, uh why you consult with companies not or with countries not companies so we're gonna we're gonna have a ton of fun today um and uh, will we'll get to maybe see if we can get all those but you've done some incredible things i want to kind of start with like a catalyst moment for you as a jumping off point and then we'll go from there so sure. we'd love for you to take us back to 2008 talk to us a little bit about what was going around in your life around then and then where your journey went from that point forward
1: yeah no absolutely so um 2008 was actually quite a pivotal year for most most people out there um obviously it's the economic recession which had a global ramifications to a lot of people um, um i was um in a corporate healthcare role um i was um i had a six figure salary everything was kind of quaint and nice and everything was great and then all of a sudden there was a shock to the system where um i was told i was surplus to requirement they couldn't really afford me uh in the role that i was at and um, i was facing redundancy pretty much or or or, or the exit <clears throat> very very quickly and being in a in a career all my life i didn't really know anything else other than working for someone and also Having a very young family at that time, being the sort of breadwinner, the sole earner, it was it was a it was an interesting period. And um, again, you know, I, I'm I'm just as a victim as anyone else would have been. Uh, I got to the stage where, quite simply, I had to make a decision: do I try and find another job, or do I take that leap of faith, as most would do, and say, you know start out on my own and do my own thing um i actually opted to do both uh, i started my own thing and i went on and actually found three part-time jobs um mm-hmm. so i moved from actually transitioned from being in corporate healthcare you know six-figure salary working around the world working on some amazing projects like putting uh dialyzer machines and systems into a a Earbuses, trying to get uh, get um uh, uh, clinical trials set up for the world's smallest dialysis machine in the in the UK to um filling washing machines and dryers into the back of uh di- electronic stores uh warehouses to um uh, sh- uh, stacking shelves uh in a in a supermarket to anything to make ends meet and um i think it was also a a shift for my mindset as well um it's not a whole hard reset but we we're often put into these kind of uh, situations whereby um i feel when we become too comfortable we we avoid that type of challenge or conflict when we're pushed into it and our backs are against the wall and there's no other way forward uh but forward sorry um you've got to you've got to it head on and I guess I didn't know what I was doing I just was feeling my way through this kind of scenario and situation little did I know a year later things were going to change um you know uh, where we got to a stage where I'd been able to start up my own business I could get rid of those three sort of part-time jobs and little did I know that this was actually going to pave the way for for uh what my future has become really so yeah 2008 was a
0: it was a pivotal, yeah. So it's 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 interesting you pick that exact year. <laughs> well, it's crazy because, I mean, it's just having prepped for this interview and seeing what you've done in the past 14 years since that happened is just kind of ridiculous to to put a fancy word on it. Just like the the amount of impact that you've been able to create and the journey that you've been on. And it's cool because I think that that 2008, although you just described it as like a pivotal moment, it, it seems like from the other podcasts I've heard you on, it's that Jumping into the unknown or being willing to do things that are uncomfortable is something that you're kind of you were you were doing your whole life prior to two thousand eight. Obviously, the jump into entrepreneurship, and I'd love for you to maybe talk a little bit about that, about some of your earlier experiences in school, and 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 maybe not fitting into the system and (laughs) and having interesting conversations with your parents, as it sounds like. Well, well, it is, and and
1: I guess you know this whole thing. I think if I start with that pivotal moment in two thousand and eight. And the fact that what I said, you know, uh, is that what doesn't challenge you won't change you. And, you know, you've got to have this kind of mindset where you do move into that kind of um, that situation, which gets you out of your comfort zone. I think I, I, I've been doing that all my life. Um, it's just unconsciously. So anyway, I completed my, my, my A-levels. I went to university um, and I decided I wanted to become a car designer. Um, so I was doing thermodynamics and I was doing aeronautical engineering and it sounds all massive, you know, but really it's just glorified. I was doing this so I could actually get into the the car design industry. This is what I really felt like I wanted to do. And I think, um, a couple of lectures in, um, within the first semester, um, you know, the professor at one stage said, look, you know, um, does anyone have any questions? So I put my hand up and I said, look, um, the, the do you know how to design cars? Because that's what I want to do. Will you be able to teach me how to design a car? And he said, no, I've never designed a car in my life. And I said, well, what am I doing here? And I actually packed my bags, literally, and left. Um, and the thing is with this is, I, as I said, I come from a very strict, very kind of solid kind of background where... You do what your parents tell you to do and, and and it's kind of a situation where um there is no color, a blur over the lines you you follow that track and here i am i'm, I'm coming home on the weekend saying hey mom dad how you doing uh by the way i'm leaving university uh and it was kind of the, sh- the shock of my life type of scenario we've got all this kind of irresponsible talk you've got all of this selfish talk you've got all of this we're putting all this money we've you know we've done everything for you guys, and this is how you repay us. And you know what you're going to learn about me, Brandon, over this over this conversation is that my mouth writes check, my body usually can't cash. Um, <laughs> when I've, I always put myself into these kind of positions, and, and I do it unnaturally. You know, so it's kind of I've always found ways to get around things. So even when I was at university, I never used to attend those lectures after. Um, uh, um, after that kind of incident with the professor I used to actually have my assignments brought to me by classmates they used to take my swipe card to swipe me in and I used to actually go out DJ play pool do whatever you need to do and that night I used to do my work and I used to post my assignments in and essentially they told me that my work is great but they have to fail me on on things like attendance so I, I, I was always finding, uh, I always had the thing that there's another always another way of doing something. You know, there's always going to be more than one answer to any one question. That's the kind of mentality that I had. So when my parents were kind of, uh, I guess, ganging up on me, I, I kind of went insane in the membrane, basically, you know, I, and 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 as I say, I blurted out something where my mouth wrote a check that I knew my body is going to find hard to cash. And that was in the frame of, well, you guys think you're that big. Watch, I can, I'll make more money than you both combined. And then, you know, when the words have just literally left your mouth, I want to take them back. <laughs> yeah, i <I'm> not even <laughs> take back. That's the tube light switches on in your head. You think, <laughs> oh, what did I just say? Right. Um, so my dad was just like, "Oh, you think you're a big man?" And all this. I said, "No." I said, "I, I, I said." You're, I'm gonna use this as motivation to show you that I can actually do better than you think I can actually do. And within sort of two or three years of going into work, I was actually making more money than the, the pair of them together. But I, I actually did it on my own terms, in my own way. I, I went into the IT industry. Um, I started to do, uh, you know, I worked my way from the ground up. I was working in account management, working in sales, um, moved my way up into sort of product management, I uh, got seconded to Apple, and um, and I ended up working on the supply chain for the launch of the Apple Mac, the original Apple Mac that uh, that was back out there. So anyone listening to this, not the nice ones that you see today, the big <laughs> colorful boxes that uh, that used to be put out there. Um, and 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 it this all culminated from this whole thing uh, where if I look back on it as we are today and reflect on it. We all go through these um, situations in life um, where, you know, sometimes we have to bend over to and succumb to what people around us want. And the truth of it is, is ninety nine percent of the time in life, you will end up doing something because of someone else's influence, uh, because you think it's either going to make them happy, make them proud, or it's gonna, it's gonna, um, it's gonna get you to where you think you want. The truth of things are, is deep down inside, if your brain, if you're engaged with your brain and not your heart, which has only got that 18-inch that difference between, you know, where your head and your heart sits, what you end up doing is actually living someone else's life, living someone yeah. else's expectation. And event- eventually, along the line, what you're going to do is your, your heart's going to kick in and say, this isn't what I want. This is not what I desire. And because you don't have the heart for what you want to do, your belief system starts to question the integrity of your ab- ability to achieve it. Mm. Now, I'm a believer of language in terms of if you spell the word belief or believe, if you define them, belief is like a trust system. It's something like a religion you believe in. In it, believe believe in something that's because you trust the data, you trust the source, you it it, it it's what you expect it to be. But spell those words out the word lie sits in the middle of belief and belief so your belief system is built up on the, all the lies that you tell yourself and and your lies eventually become the truth i mean sports professionals sports coaches use this as a part of their playbook and this is something that's in turn i guess inside me is built i have a real reverse mindset the way my my head works is i go into the future look at things work backwards and that's what I do un- unconsciously, even when I was younger. You know, so if, when I was sitting in math class, I, everyone hates math. You know, in, in that particular way. And those that do love math, there's something completely wrong with you. You know, when <laughs> you when you're on young. Your head. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's true. So you know, the problem I had is that um, uh, I'd be in class. They sent you a, a, a question to do. I get the question. I complete the question, and I get it right and i do it before everyone else in the class and when the teacher asks you to explain your your answer i just show them well this is how this is how i worked it out and they go that's not right and i said but the answer's right and they go no but you haven't followed the system um the way that you're supposed to calculate and i said well just because i did it another way doesn't mean it's wrong but this is what i'm not just saying academia or academics or education does to you but we're all forced in life to conform My parents were forcing me to conform. The education system was forcing me to conform. The employment system was forcing me to conform. And for me, conforming just means that you've got to use a specific way of doing something. Whereas my mentality is the other way around, Brandon. It's, there's always more than one answer to any one question, you know? So I, uh, I tried to prove the point in maths when I was younger, I tried to say to someone, uh, I said to the math teacher, okay, how many permutations are there to the number 11? And he goes, I don't understand what you mean. I said, you could do 10 plus one, you could do 12 minus one, you could do nine plus two, you could, and I said, there are an in the infinite or a finite number of permutations, but it comes to the same number. What makes one of those superior than the other? Mm. And for that, I got detention. <laughs>
0: the tension but a valuable lesson in learning that you know there is that like you said it's kind of your ethos is there's more than one way to arrive at something and that seems like it's served you on your journey in many different ways because having finite thinking in a in a in a world that you play and that it's an infinite way of playing it's uh significantly different mindsets and there's so much gold that you just shared in that story as as i was just listening one thing that you said was connecting your head to your heart and i just want to make sure that people didn't miss that. I had somebody on the show, he was a language profiler, and he can kind of think about how you think based on the language that you use. And that was one thing that he said to me years ago that I've been conscious about working on. He's like, you're 90-10, meaning I'm 90% head, 10% heart. He's like, you got to flip that. And when you when you make that flip, a massive change will happen. So I've just found that as I've done the work on myself to work on communicating from my heart, just massive things have come from that. So there's so much gold there. I want I want to zoom in on yeah, one sure. small component you yeah go ahead if you want to build no, on no 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 sure sure no saying yeah no go ahead sure, sure so so you're talking about your relationship with your parents and you kind of had that slip where something came out of your mouth and, and you're like oh crap I gotta I gotta go ahead and do this I know there's a really powerful story that comes several years later you're at the world the women's economic Forum and you're going to New Delhi and you kind of have yeah. an, a, a huge a moment where your parents realize what you've been up to since that moment so I know there's a big yeah. gap of time there but I, I would love to kind of tie that story full full circle and then maybe we can we can use that as another it, jumping it, off point it,
1: it, it's all interlinked so I'll get to that story story for you in a second but let me give you a very quick tour up to or or, uh, a you know tour of the journey up to that so as I said you know I broke free from uh, education I started to make a career for myself and look sometimes you know as I say my mouth writes checks my body can't cash sometimes I'm human I do I make the right decisions the make wrong decisions there there is no right or wrong when it comes to decisions there's only what the decision you make and the action that you take And as I say, if you if you are more assigned to your heart than your head, the probability is that you're going to win because your heart creates not just the desire, but it creates curiosity, and it's curiosity that keeps you where you're at. So passion alone doesn't get you to where you want. Perseverance doesn't come from your passion; it comes from your curiosity for something. That's that's my opinion on particular things. I
0: I just I have my my top five skill sets and my number my number one is curiosity Curiosity. so I absolutely love that Mm.
1: so 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 the top the top and tail of this is is uh, we're getting to the year 1999 and for those of you who were born after 1999 listening to this um, you won't understand that there was a thing called Y2K not Y2J the wrestler so don't confuse the two things. Y2K was the uh, what we call the millennium bug, it was the whole thing where there was this whole freak um, news going around that computers are going to reset the whole IT industry is going to implode, you know, everything's going to go down and guess where I was working, I was working in IT I was working in with Apple, I left a highly paid job at a young age purely on the speculation that the whole industry was going to implode. I walked in without having a further job to go because my heart was telling me this isn't the place you've you've served your purpose where you are, you need to move on. I moved into electronics. Um, I don't know anything about electronics, I just about know how to plug something in and switch it on. Um, but over the stint of five years of working for this company I designed a touchscreen. Um, registration system and call system which um, which was used by every sort of uh, medical practice in the UK, Um, taking a company from 250,000 pounds of trade that they were doing to just under 6 million in my own division, and this is a guy who. Didn't really know what what he was doing, and this is where the cretin marijuana store story comes. <laughs> okay, cool. In. So, so I'm going to feed it all in. So I'll get to your I'll get to your <laughs> your your women's economic forum uh, parts very shortly. So what happened here is as I transitioned from Apple to. JX, where I was working, they offered me a management role, and with the management role, they gave me these um, uh, this opportunity to get things like medical and stuff like that. In order for me to get my medical benefit, I had to have um, a health check done, so they can they can itemize everything. Now over here in the UK, we don't have health centres; we have doctors' surgeries, and these surgeries are normally built in. Uh, back then, were built in converted houses. So what would be your living areas like a reception waiting room? What is normally the kitchen is converted to a reception and the bedrooms are normally what the consulting rooms are. Anyway, I went to go and see my doctor. My doctor wasn't in, it was a, I was going to be given a locum. And so I was waiting in a waiting area and they had magazines and things like that for, for you to read. Anyway, it was quite busy. And um, all of a sudden I could hear the stairs creaking and uh, you know, by the time that creaking has stopped, um, you know, that to the to the perimeter of the door, um, stood this really large man, right? And I'm, I'm looking, I'm peering over this magazine, you know, I'm looking just over this magazine at this guy and I'm like, he's gonna call me. I know he's gonna call me, okay? Anyway, I put my head back down, just waiting, waiting, waiting. He's looking at this piece of paper, looks up, looks at this piece of paper, looks up. And then at the top of his voice, you know, literally, Shouts out, Cretin Marijuana. My name is Ketin Makwana. So I'm like thinking, oh my God, okay. And by this time, he said it four times already. It was really loud. By this time, the waiting room is, oh my God, who's called Cretin Marijuana? That's like being called Gaylord Fucker, for crying out loud, do you know what I mean? And like, the embarrassment level was just insane. Anyway, I got up, I went to that appointment, I went back to work and I was telling my boss, I'm like, he goes, how did everything, oh, God, oh it was a nightmare. And he go, I said, what's wrong? I said, uh, I told him the story and he's like rolling around on the floor laughing and I said, this is stupid. Someone should do something about this. And it's from that situation that I, I came up with uh, part of the idea of designing a system which will actually uh, um, present your name. So it's the name calling system where the the consultant doesn't have to come out. They just press a button off their keyboard and the details for who you are, what room number you have to go to and who's the consultant calling you um, comes up on the board, which took um, uh, this company into the the primary healthcare stratosphere, basically. So um, again, uh, learning, very quick learning from here is opportunities everywhere around us. Um, It's just what we... What we perceive as an opportunity and what we perceive as a threat—probably 99% of the time, your your next greatest idea is just actually whiz past you by. Whether it's a conversation someone else is having that you kind of um, earworm into, or you know you happen to be just walking down the street and you see something. Okay, yeah. now what most people do is they look at what how others create these ideas, and when they hear it, oh, you know, I was just thinking about it and it came to me, and they think I wish something would come to me like this it's not that the opportunity comes to you it's you go to that opportunity i think if you look for something too hard you'll never find it um you know but what happens here is you've got to see the opportunity in everything and that's that requires you not only to think from your heart and have that curiosity but be an eternal optimist which is mm-hmm. the, the bit that I, i'm all about so here are my parents they're nagging at me saying you know you're selfish, you're irresponsible, you're not, you're going to be ashamed on the you of the black sheep, you're a black sheep, all of that. I'm still an optimist, I'm going to make it, I'll make it, I'll make it. I've left the job, high paying job, moved to somewhere I have no relative experience over five years, created a name for myself. Then I thought to myself, do you know what, I really want to go behind the scenes and what happens in the operating theatre, I want to go behind and see what's going on. Um, in order to get a job in corporate healthcare, you normally need a medical degree of some sort i don't have a degree full stop i walked in i applied for these people well some some companies wouldn't even take me in on an interview one did and i sat down with them and i had a 20 minute conversation with them and um i said look i don't know anything about this and i don't have a qualification here i go but what i do know is i can do this 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 and this and i go whatever it is you give me i will make money from it um because I will find a way of fitting it in and I said to him, I go I said I don't even want to beg you for the job but I want you to give me a give me a try and I said that if I don't succeed in in this period of time I said you can even take the salary back that's that's how confident I felt about this position three years in into corporate healthcare, I was um I I'd done my pharmaceutical exams I was uh, working with different drugs. I'd done uh, delivered babies. I'd done epidural uh, insertions. I'd been on, worked on cadavers, been around the world doing all sorts of crazy, crazy things basically in the healthcare space. And this comes from a guy who doesn't even have a medical degree. So for me, this is kind of lesson number three, that, you know, the whole thing I told you about conform yeah, and and the fact that you, in, in, again, 60 to 80% of the jobs that are out there have a profile saying that this is what you need to have. It's BS, it's, it's not true. Because most of the time, what um, employers do is they write what they want. But it's your job, if you're going out there to uh, secure that role, to tell them what they need. Mm. Yeah? And when you tell them what they need, you tell them from your heart, not your head again. It's not a convincing act. You've got to be so assured because you need those lies in your head that become the truth. Your belief system is built up about, I can do it. I can do it. I can win it. So whether it's a vision board that you do or you narrate particular things or you meditate or you chant a a particular thing, whatever, however you work it, you've got to build those lies in. Now that takes me into, into my career. I've taken these rules and I still use these rules today, you know. Um, there's always more than one way, uh, one answer to any one question, you know, remember, the lie becomes a truth. Um, and remember, you work from your heart, not your head. These are the three principles that I work with in everything that I've done. And I quietly was getting on with my work. Um, there is a, there is something else that happened in 2011 that got me um, got me to start working with the UK Prime Minister. And uh, that's another story that I can come to a bit later on in, in this talk. Uh, I got, your, your listeners will love it. Uh, it involves alcohol and manhandling in, in Downing Street, but then actually getting a job as well. But the truth of it is is um, I've, I've pursued everything that I've done very unconsciously. If people come in and say, how do you do that? I can't explain. I can't explain how I did it. I can tell you what I did and the way I did it. Um, and really pick up the principles of it, But I can never give you that system, uh, which is why I don't sell marketing systems. I don't sell lead generation systems. I don't sell any kind of systems. All I ever used to talk about on keynotes is how you become a better version of yourself. How do you actually achieve the things that you truly want to? And um, I was doing a piece with MIT and um, uh, I actually became, I sat on the board of MIT's professional education, a guy that doesn't even have a degree sits on the board, advisory board of MIT. Um, um, Anyway, I I was asked to go to India for uh, the global startup workshop and I gave a presentation there. And in the audience, there was a lady uh, who was connected to the head of alumni for the South Indian market for MIT. soon as i got off stage she goes i've got to have you come back in in a couple of weeks time to to talk at my event and i'm like what's your event she goes women's economic forum and she explained it all anyway um i was brought back to india and i said to my parents well i said to my friends i'm going back to india again they're like oh india we'll show you we're going to come with you and i'm like okay fair enough come with me and i've got this whole thing that you know no matter how you actually fall out with people or processes there's always going to be a path where uh, where things collide again. If you're patient enough, it will come. Um, yeah. if you don't force it; it will come. If it never comes, it was never meant to be. Anyway, this is a period of time in my life where where we got to uh, this kind of we were coming to this convergence again. Basically, my parents going to be with me. No one else. They thought they were going to show me India. I knew what they're going to expect is a complete cultural difference. We landed, there was a car coming in to collect us. We were at one of the premium hotels. Um, You know, we had a suite. They were given a suite. My dad had a, every night had their their whiskey bar coming up. There were Bollywood stars. There were politicians. And they're like, what sort of thing are you into? And I'm like, just just experience the whole thing. And as a part of that, there are two experiences that they got. Uh, One was the keynote that I gave um, to the audience of 1200. And at that point, I told them this story—the similar the, the bites of the stories that I've been sharing with you here, Brandon. And essentially, throughout that, I actually stopped halfway and I said, "For those of you that want to know, my parents are here. They're in the room, and the spot—I got the, the 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 dev team or the show team to put spotlight on them." Um, oh, I, said, I, I said, "Stand up!" I said, "Stand up!" They stood up to a round of applause, and I said, "I go. Even I don't get that level of round of applause." My, I think the way I wanted to 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 demonstrate to this that is that they weren't the the reason or the, the cause or the effect but they should be part of my celebration process so you know there are certain things that they try to do they've done from their heart not their head they don't know any any different but what i've been able to do is i'm not fighting for their um for their approval i'm not seeking anything from anyone i'm going out and living my life the way i believe i need to and actually, letting them see that I can make just as much impact doing something this way that I could this way. Later on, I'd run a workshop, and in that workshop, um, my parents came and sat in, and I was actually showing how you could reverse your mindset and actually um, find an answer to to the problems that you think you're facing. And I randomly—it's like doing magic tricks, basically getting people from the crowd to give a problem, stand up, give a problem, do this. And literally within 20 minutes, we reverse the way that they talk to themselves. At which point there was a man sitting in, gentleman sitting in front of my father, he was in the row right in front of him, just directly, feet was in front of him. He stood up at the end, he's older than my father. And he said, he stood up and he goes, no one has ever spoken to me the way you've spoken to me and my dad thought right this is a guy who's going to complain now and he goes and what I mean by that he goes no one's ever moved me the way you've moved me today he goes he goes you don't seem to understand the aura or energy that you have around you and I said that's what makes it brilliant I said because the minute you let ego take over you lose through all mm. of it so so the learning here. For everyone is apart from those principles is always still remain humble <clears throat> always know that you don't know everything and you're going to learn every you know from every experience you're going to learn and remember an expert is made up of a series of experiences so don't classify yourself that i'm not an expert in something you don't have to be an expert in something you just need to collate all the experiences that are relevant to that level of expertise i am I was probably 50 years younger than the gentleman who stood up, who said this thing to me. He could have been my grandfather crying out loud, right? And he's he's talking to me in a way that I'm his guru, you know? So it just goes to show that, you know, yes, follow your heart, follow the system, but it all comes still back down to this one thing about the the way that you converse with yourself, Um, you know? The, the the conversation that you have, the push that you have, and remember, if you don't believe in it, if you if you're if you're thinking from your head, the likelihood of it is is that's not going to last. So so look, you know, my journey uh, to where I am today and even tomorrow will always be littered with these kind of pivots, crossroads where I'm going to sometimes have that imposter syndrome as well, where I'm like, what am I doing here, or why am I sitting around a table of Uh, of people that are way above me you know economically or professionally and and it's at that time that I also reverse back in my head and say well you were asked to come here you didn't force yourself in Mm -hmm. here so there's obviously something of value that you've got to give these people figure it out and just stick to that you know it's not about being the dumbest or the smartest in the room it's not about that. It's always understanding what your value is in in the whole economy of, of things. Basically, everyone has something to deliver. It's uh, it's your job not to um, sit on focus on what it is that you deliver. It's finding the right time and the right place to put all of your um, yeah.
0: Uh, so it's sorry. it's incredible there's there's so much that you just shared there and my brain always correlates between other conversations that i had and the one that i had last week was a very similar thing that you just said where she was talking about work with james dyson was recruited by richard branson and like i asked her like how she felt being in those rooms and she's like i I was in those conversations. Therefore I earned being in those conversations, you know? So I, I love that you have that. And there's, there's so many comments that I want to make on so many different components because you shared so many different stories. First of all, this is just kind of a fun side tangent. Have you ever, it's yeah. an American TV show, but have you ever heard of Impractical Jokers before? Yes. I've watched that. We get that hair. Uh, oh, do you? Okay. Okay. So if you haven't seen, have you seen the see ce- the scenes where they have like, basically they have to read a fake name to a waiting list and see how people react to it you like i have have, because the cretin marijuana literally could be one of those like basically the bit is the impractical jokers are a receptionist and everybody else sitting there and they have a list of these ridiculous names that they have to yeah. read and keep a straight face, yeah. you know, like Cranjus McBasketball, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's, I'll have to find that and send it to you because that's like immediately oh, what no, yeah. I'm of saying I m- marijuana. <laughs> so yeah, anyways, a few, th- a few comments I want to make on, on what sure. you said. First of all, I, I love like the, the, basically the, the note that I wrote is certifications are kind of BS, you know, cause it's like somebody has to create the certifications to begin with. Right. So like, who was the, who was the first ever person to create the first certification certification. Who gave them a certification? No one. They, gave, they They had to come up with it. And I think that having the confidence that if you have value to provide to people, to allow yourself to contribute and give your gifts without being filtered or worried about all these different things, it seems like throughout your journey, you haven't let that stop you is because you know the value that you can provide. Um, yeah. And so I, I I absolutely love that. And I, I want to continue to pull on some of your business wisdom. And I I know you recently ac- uh, your enterprise lab was recently acquired. So right. I, I'm sure that's like a whole separate conversation. But in some of the other podcasts I listened to that you've been on, there's so many there's some core first principle things that you've talked about that I would love to kind of pull out. And one of oh. them is taking the time to know what business you're you're actually in is something that I've heard you share before. And I think that this is one of those questions that is, you know, not very often discussed and not very often understood. And so I'd love for you to share some of your wisdom as like what that actually means and yeah. and unpack that
1: I think I think um it's easy to fall into the trap of um marginalizing or compartmentalizing what you're in what your business is about and you see because a lot of people associate um what their business does um rather than the impact that their business makes so if you think about it um what business is the comedian in you know it's he's not in the stand-up business they're not in the presenting business they're in the business of humor or entertainment or or, or or things like this and i think when you look at certain principles um especially for those that start up a, a, a business a lot of people that come into the service industries lose their way very very quickly they get sucked into the whole marketing thing and you know having to design avatars and do all this kind of stuff and find the pain and the solution and all this and i'm like i even myself i've I've been dragged into it which is why i kind of have picked up a lot of this kind of vernacular around what are you in the business of really because as you build a business and and especially a service business more than a product business as the business evolves you change what you're in the business of Um, you know, um, so let me start with, um, it's not a pyramid scheme, but if you imagine a triangle that's set out there, um, you know, and this is this triangle represents the levels and layers of your business. If we were to section them out into three sections, the base sections so is almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for example. The baseline is DIY, um, uh, do it yourself, okay? mid is WDT, we do it together. The top is D-F-Y, done for you, okay? And the whole process is, is that you wanna get, uh, you, from a service industry, you wanna to get to the top because the top is the smallest smallest space. So it's the premium where you can charge the highest fee um, because your, your service is specialized. It's, it's you, it's your expertise, etc. cetera. But what we normally have is a a mass of clients who don't, they want the the done for you service, but they've got a a DIY budget, basically, more than anything else. So what I normally exercise into clients when I used to mentor them, and and I said, start from the bottom grid, build the volume of clients, the baseline of clients. But what you've got to do is build your system in, which allows you to move out of each layer as you go along. And as you move out of each layer, you're changing what you're in the business of. So when you're in the, in the first baseline business of do it yourself, you're in the business of producing materials that will help others do it themselves. So you are a facilitator, you're in the business of facilitation. When you move up a notch with someone, you've given someone the answer. So let's say it's a 21-day challenge and they've done the challenge or you give them a, a, an ebook and with instructions and they say, yeah, the truth of it is, is they don't want that. They want the next level up, which is, should we do it together? I'll do a little bit, you do a little bit. Yes, that's what we want is a higher fee. Now, when you get to a we do it together kind of situation, this is where most solopreneurs or small business owners start to go wrong. What they do is they... They fill out their appointment book with schedules uh, of consultations that they want to run so how many hours do you work in a day typically eight or ten hours let's say you're an entrepreneur that has ten hours and you kind of think to yourself well these are half an hour appointments i could fit two appointments in an hour that means i could do up to 20 appointments in a day okay the truth of it is that's never going to be the reality then they mass reproduce that if i work six days a week then i can do 120 Uh, appointments in a day you know in a week and you know that's that's where you make real money then you see now what you're doing is you're not you're changing that from the business of facilitation to the business of burnout okay you're now in the business of burning out your quality of output is never going to meet the 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 requirements what you've got to do is you've got to change your mindset about what you're in the business of it's better for you to actually now build a team That will deliver your system so you build an accreditation system you bring in loads of different coaches or suppliers who would be able to deliver your system and what that allows you to do is scale up the we do it together now you are earning while the other person's doing the work so you could charge 200 bucks for your service give 100 bucks to the person that's delivering the service and keep 100 for yourself that means now you can do five hours in a day They are doing five hours in a day. Someone else is doing five hours in a day and you're actually scaling up. But it comes from a mindset of changing what you're in the business of. You're no longer in the business of facilitating clients. You're in the business of building teams, okay? Mm. Then ultimately, when you get to the top, when you get to the done for you, you're you're moving away from the whole uh, building teams and the business of building teams and adopting your mindset to serving the 1%. Okay, and this is what I was doing um, in between sort of when I started Enterprise Lab built built um built the the original training uh mechanisms and and, and contracts and started to secure uh, sort of wider contracts we've done the DIY we've done the uh, the, the we do it together and I had an, a network back then around about 30 coaches that were delivering my services under through my accredited system so it's kind of i trained them into how to deliver it they deliver it in the same way there were people that come and say no but we want cat and we say well if you want cat and you've got to pay a higher price that's them moving into my done for you kind of uh triangle but my done for you triangle was a very simple model i would only work with 10 people for 10 months for 10 grand a month that made me a million myself. So my system at the top, you're no longer in the business of building a business. You're in the business of generating your own personal income. So what happens is you've now created three sub-businesses that are all operating at the same time, Mm. which allows you to service the tire kickers at the bottom in a way where you you build passive income, which is all e-commerce based, You've got a system where you're now serving clients on a we do it together, where it's scalable, where you've got different people in different time zones serving different customers, and you're actually making money off other people doing work, leaving you the time that that kind of um, Robert Kiyosaki model uh, of uh, you know of, of investment, where you can you get to a stage where you you can afford the time to generate your own income. And you can live off that small little pyramid at the top, Mm -hmm. um, allowing you to reinvest into all other factors of business. And it's that model about knowing what you're in the business of, that allowed me to scale Enterprise Lab, to operate in 26 countries, to have a network of 250 experts, and to be able to serve over a million people a year. I couldn't do that on my own. Um, And and, and that's that's what the power of understanding what you're in the business of um, can do for you. So
0: powerful. I, I think this is related to this, but I'd be curious. I, I have as another note here that you, you had said somewhere else, those that pivot lose. So like, I'm just kind of curious if you could share a little bit about what that means as well, because I would imagine that if you are not understanding the business that you're in, you're constantly kind of chasing all over the place that it would dilute some of the efforts that you Correct. have. So i would love for you to clarify some of that as well.
1: So let's, let's make a practical uh, definition of pivot here. There are two definitions sure. in the business world of pivot. There is a pivoting strategy. And there's pivoting the model okay two very different things now most people in this world the uh, most consumers the way we consume things is all about instant gratification it's all about instant results everyone wants the baby they don't want the labor pains um and this is how you've got to service your business uh to look at and feel that it is this whole thing where we'll get you to the answer before without having to do the work. You do that, a convenience model, people love you. And it's the same thing that applies to early stage entrepreneurs as they come into, into the world of business. They are fueled with enthusiasm and blind confidence, um, which isn't coming from their heart, it's coming from their head because someone pumped something into them or they went to a Tony Robbins UPW and jumped around like a maniac for three days. And you know now they've got all this energy or whatever it is. No disrespect to Tony Robbins, he's he's, he's good at what he does, basically. But they come into this whole process and they have an expectation that's at this level and their delivery comes at that level. And the gap between expectation, which is the higher hand and uh, delivery, which is the lower hand, is what we call failure. Now, failure has that opportunity for you to lower your expectation or increase your, your delivery. But what most people do at that point is they don't stick to their plan because they no longer believe that that was the right plan. And what they do is rather than pivoting the strategy, they pivot their model. My next door neighbor is doing better in this business. I need to have active campaigns because they use active campaigns. You don't have a frigging clue of how to use this thing, but you go off and he went on a you know he went on a twenty four day retreat, I need to do the same thing. They have got the shiniest, um, best advertising campaign, I need the same thing. That They find a reason for why their strategy is not working. So what they do is they pivot their model. And it's that pivoting a model which is what, where you fail. The only time you pivot your model is when your the landscape and the environment around you has changed. So when things like the pandemic came, People had to pivot their model, not their strategy. They had to change what they're in the business of, change the way that they serve their customer. Okay, um, so crisis management is is all about pivoting your model and then building a change strategy against that new model. So when most people, uh, when we say, when I say pivot, if you pivot, you fail. Um, the the likelihood of it is is that. The reason why you're not able to achieve what you expect is because you keep changing and pivoting your model um, and that takes you from wherever you are in your journey to reaching your goal right back to the beginning because every time you change your model you have to go back and start at square one and square then go two three there is no way of jumping from two to seven because just like anything you know brandon if i ask you to take a leap of faith the hardest leap that you possibly can there is a percentage chance that you're going to fracture your ankle okay the fra- when you fracture the your ankle you create an injury which can have a traumatic effect on the uh, on other parts of your body okay it's the same thing in business you take a model of your business model, you pivot it you fracture the the process of your business that means that your strategy is now out of date that means that your customer segmentation is not right that means that your avatars aren't working that means that you don't no longer have belief either in your abilities or your ability to serve more importantly uh, the ability to impact the result that your client actually wants and if you don't believe it your client's not going to believe it And, and that's what leads to failure
0: Super powerful, man. Just so many takeaways for everyone to just think about as you're driving or running or whatever the heck it is you're doing. Think about that pyramid, you know, at the bottom of doing it yourself or helping someone do it at the next rung and then and doing it for them. And then the game of making sure that you're staying in the lane that you're choosing and, and staying true to what you are in actually in the business of and, and building from there. Consist- super consistency,
1: powerful. Consistency breeds, uh, breeds strength, right? You know, if you keep exercising the same muscle, eventually the muscle becomes stronger. And remember, the focus here is to identify your strength and continue working on that and leave your weakness where it is. And what I mm-hmm. mean by weakness is if you're not a good orator, if you're not a great communicator, if you're not a great marketer, accept that. Take the load of rocks off your off your shoulders. Don't listen to the naysayers that say that you need to be a digital marketing whiz or a social media king. I had all of this. I got sucked into it. I got into this whole thing where people say you need to have um you need to do facebook lives every day you need to you need to do podcasts you need to do this you need to do that and i'm like geez i'm getting exhausted right at first when you start you're like yeah first 30 days of posting one video then you can see the energy sapping out of people because this isn't their natural thing right they they're losing interest with it and that's when people start to pivot their models they're like oh i don't want to do this but i have to keep doing it otherwise i'm not going to get the client whereas what i then uh, i turn on and say get it out your system straight away i am i love to talk i love expressing i love advising i love consulting i hate sitting there doing facebook lives. guess what i don't even have a facebook account anymore i hate doing all that instagram posting guess what i don't have an instagram account anymore right I don't do any of that. If I need to do anything like this, I will bring in a resource that will handle all that. I'm going to say, that's your business. My business is to make it take people from point A to point B. That's all I'm good at doing and that's all I'm going to do. So yeah. it's, being in your lane is about staying in your genius point. Now, at the end of the day, you look at the marvels, You know, you look at each of those superheroes. They all have a unique set of strengths. You see... The minute they try to dabble in someone else's strength, it doesn't work. So when you've got four and his hammer, no one else can pick up the hammer apart from Thor, you know. So the point of it is stay in your lane, focus on your genius, right? Keep driving on that, keep working that muscle because that becomes stronger. Because if in life you focus on your weakness to become stronger, you negate your strength and your strength eventually over time becomes weaker. So as your strength is becoming weaker and your weakness is becoming stronger, guess what? You get to a level of parity and that parity means you're an average Joe and no one in life wants to be an average Joe or Joanne, mm-hmm. shall we say. We're gonna keep yeah, this general.
0: yeah. So so good. And I, it's funny because this we're recording this shortly after I recorded episode 100. And so one of the things that I did on the show is I went back and I looked at all the incredible insights that I've got from my guests. And I'm not going to explain the model that I developed as a result of studying everyone, but one of the key components of this model that I developed is alignment, like understanding what the key aligned actions are that you need to be taking that are specific to you. And it is an evolving model where you're never done with it. You're always going to find greater levels of refinement of your your superpowers or your genius point as you do. So I, I, was, I would love for you to just zoom in here because I think this is a key like massive lever to pull for anyone is if somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, okay, Katana is clearly really good at talking. He's clearly good at building businesses and motivating people. How do, how, what would you advise them for some ways to discover what their genius point is or to identify it and magnify it and go through higher cycles of clarity on it?
1: I think the most important thing here is don't try and look for it. Don't put yourself into that self-analysis. What am I good? What am I not good at? Let it naturally come into you. The biggest thing um, where you know where your genius spot is, is when you achieve results effortlessly. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Okay, and don't calculate the magnitude of your result. Calculate the intensity of the result. That's the most important thing. The magnitude, everyone wants the big impact, but sometimes the smallest impacts make the most profound um, results, basically. And I think that's where it kind of starts from. I never knew... I was a natural strategist until for a very long time. I didn't know that I was, okay, maybe a prime minister has called me a disruptor and I'll come to that story for you in a second to why. But essentially um, I'm being disruptive. I never, I never really recognized that I'm a reverse thinker. I go to the future and pull back and, and I kind of work things out in this particular way until I started to utilize it and see that this is the process or this is the system. This is me delivering a result. This is what I'm naturally good at. Now, once you are affinity to that, what the next thing you've got to do is you've got to start to shed all the things that you're not good at. You've got to be honest with yourself because a lot of people, they're not honest with themselves. They have that conversation and they admit it. Oh, I'm not good at marketing, but you know what? They'll hold to it. I don't like doing Facebook lives, but do you know what? They'll hold on to it because they have this fear that if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. And I guarantee any one of you listening right now that does all this social media malarkey, and you don't like it. The thing you do is you post whatever you post and 30 seconds after posting it, you go to see how many views you've had or how many likes you've had. And you build this expectation up because what you're doing, it's not your natural self. You see, there's a saying that goes out there that, no one doing more than what you do will ever complain about what you do. Um, and what I mean by that is that whoever is out there winning whatever they're winning in, does not they don't have the time or the inclination to sit there and complain about what you do. So the truth of this is, is you set yourself up to fail because you build this expectation based on other people's opinions. And the truth of it is, if you let go of all the things that are not relevant to you, and focus on the bits that you know that you can naturally deliver, you are always guaranteed to be in that circle of success. And success can mean different things to different people. It doesn't have to be the same thing. You know, success is whatever you define it to be. And if you make your successes small to start with and easy to achieve, what it does is it breeds confidence in you. And if you split the words confidence, it's confide in. And it's a truth, that mechanism. So confidence is built on results. When you see something that's confiding into you that what you did is actually naturally to be true. So it's all interlinked. It's all interlinked in the fact that basically stop going out and discovering it. So if you wanna really understand, not discover, if you really wanna understand what your genius is, look back at all the things that you've achieved beyond your expectations, that you've done effortlessly, where people have said, oh my God, how'd you do that? And you're like, I don't know, I just did it. Because mm. that's so, so good. Because that's the superpower. When Spider-Man found out he had Spidey senses, you know, it was, I don't know how this happens. It's there when the Hulk turns into the Hulk. I don't know how that happened. They still don't figure out how it's happened, but they no longer are focused on that. They are focused on what they can deliver in that spirit. For me i'm a natural born strategist so when i go out there and i work with someone um whether it's a government whether it's a country whether it's a, a client it's always about strategy i can literally go out there and say what i bring to you is i will work out a way of getting you from here to here i will find the way to help you get to where you want to get to i may not be the person delivering that But I may be the person that influences the strategy in you. Mm -hmm. I may be the one that guides you into what the right model is or what the wrong model is. But I will do it in a way that no one else around this table will do because I will look to the future and I'll pull back to where we are today. You all look from today into the future. So so I've taken decades to find that, okay, And, and naturally attuned to it. Um but what I did to recognize that is just look back and think where are all the all the all of the results that I've achieved for people or got all those successes where people have come to me and said this is incredible, how'd you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I've kind of figured it out from there that you know you yeah. don't need multiple geniuses, just the one one element. Um so look, you know, the way to think differently, um, this story um it's a true story, it comes it comes can from. I, can I is this
0: the is this the prime minister story? Because I want to yeah. I want to make one small comment. Then we'll dive into that. Because yeah. I want sure, sure, to. Sure. I just I just I want to make sure people don't miss something that you said that was just one sentence, but I think like whenever I ask someone a similar question, I'm always looking for that one extra little nugget that adds that extra level of refinement. And so maybe this is it for someone. So I just make sure you you don't miss it is magnitude of result versus intensity of result. I've never heard anybody share that before, but I think that that is so true is that whenever we talk about your superpowers, like, oh, it should be massive tidal wave, you know, like all this crazy results. But like, but, but I think that that's really, really important that distinguishing that you said is like looking at the intensity of what you created and how you, feel as a result of that can absolutely be be true and i i've uh, another quote i i don't know if i get this 100 right but it's by michelangelo i saw the angel in the marble and i carved until i set him free you know so it's like it's not about adding more stuff to you it's about subtracting the stuff that's not you to identify what's so so powerful so i want to say those two things and the third thing i wanted to say too is are you familiar with the work of robert Tennyson stevens by chance uh no entirely maybe refresh me I mean, with it maybe with a I, i'm just i was just curious because like it might be interesting for you to i can send you some yeah. more information i've had him on my show the, the episode hasn't come out but he's he studied uh the hopi english the hopi indians as the way that he got his start and like basically studying the science of language and like how, like the, the way that we articulate things kind of mm. constructs our reality, which, and it's like, I've noticed that you pull apart words multiple times, like the word lie and belief or confide yeah. in like what a word actually means. So anyways, kind of another, if you haven't studied or, or no, read this book. Yeah, it's super, super good. So I can make a note to send you some more stuff on that. So just no, want to make sure no. that you, you listening, didn't miss miss any of that. But yes, I would love to hear the manhandling story. <laughs> what, what, what this has to do with you ending up working with a prime well, minister? Look,
1: okay. The moral. I'm going to give you the moral of the story first. Um, sure. Never underestimate, you know, the intensity of your results because and where it can launch you. Um, so obviously. Um, through, throughout my business career, after sort of being made redundant, we started with this whole thing at the beginning of this, this podcast, basically, where we talked about um, 2008, I'd lost my job, I'd lost my confidence, I'd lost my belief, all of these kind of things. I went self-employed, I was juggling as much as I could as we ran along. I then noticed um, what I was doing is I was going out there naturally trying to secure contracts in the healthcare arena where there were job freezes. Um, you know, where recruitment freezes were taking place and doing that whole interim thing. And then again, like I said, my mouth right checked, my body couldn't cash. I had a lot of contracts, not enough time to deliver. So I came up with a simple idea of taking someone else who was unemployed, just like me, and actually putting them on to the contract. Remember the business, what I'm in the business of, do it yourself, we do it together. All of a sudden, um, in a short space of time, I'd built up a network of um unemployed self self self-employed professionals who are delivering this these projects for me and i was making money on that i got to a stage where i this i just decided to sell um it was my first requirement i went to a recruitment firm when recruitment fees were over and actually said i've got this whole outsourcing business which um which could be brilliant for interim contracting for yourself it's ready made you get win the clients you've got the network just make me a number, you know, give me a, give me a number and take it off my hands. This is all about learning when to let go of particular things as well and getting out of your way. Mm-hmm. I think That's really important as well. Um, but anyway, uh, I went through this kind of period where I'd started, scaled and sold a business. And I was feeling pretty proud of myself. But eventually, you know, with the the itching that I would have to get out there and do something, I, I was getting bored very quickly. Um, and I had a, a dab hand at brand, brand uh, marketing, and I, I had an idea of doing a bit of product management work and all this kind of consulting piece, but it wasn't really ticking my boxes. So, um, so I thought, right, I said, why don't I start something for the youth market? You know, look at look at building something that will help bridge the enterprising skills, excuse me, young people have and and um, migrate them into, into industry. So in 2011, I launched Enterprise Lab. And in 2011, it was a marquee year. In May, I incorporated the company. In the summer that year, June, July, we had riots here um, in the UK. And um, there was a lot of damage. There was a lot of stuff that went on and a lot of young people were blamed for it. If you look deeper down, you know, there were a million young unemployed people. They call them NEETs here in the UK, not in education, employment or training. It's a, mm. it's a horrible word, NEETs. It sounds like nits. It's, it's disgusting. Anyway, it was all outcasted. And I, you know, I was working in this space where I was going to college, to college, working with young people. And I came up, I was watching this on the news and... um all this da- damage and carnage and i said someone needs to do something about this and i kind of thought to myself well i'm someone i can do something about this and um you know the brain started to wave on and i came out with this elaborate idea of producing this event for young people a showcase thing that shows all the opportunities and they can grab everything never you know done an event in my life i mean the worst or closest i've come to an event is a stag do for some friends and and that, and that wasn't really that.
0: okay i had to peel because i travel i know what a stag do is and hen parties are but for anybody that's not in the united states fill in the gap really quick just so that's <laughs> like what do you just say
1: it's like a bachelor's <laughs> grouping you know, it's a, it's a whole group of boys going on a yeah. one uh, uh, uh alcohol fueled fornicated yeah 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 bachelor, bachelor right. party couldn't
0: party. couldn't even get that right
1: basically <laughs> so here's a guy who has no experience of doing any of these kind of things anyway i picked up the phone to a number of companies and i was calling them and i said look you know i've got this idea how we can re-stimulate young people they just kept putting the phone down on me and i thought to myself this is this is wrong why why are people listening to me and then I kind of, I, I tuned into this and I felt the reason why, because they don't know who I am. I'm not a person of influence, power, recognition. I'm not any, uh, I'm not part of any kind of network. Now, you know, there's that whole saying, your net worth is equal to your network. Well, this kind of gave me the evidence to it. I don't, I'm a nobody trying to do something in a world of somebody's who need me to be a somebody. So, you know, I I kind of, Started to think i need a higher source to come in and and help me with this and god wasn't available that day so <laughs> I kind of came to this, yeah i came to this crazy <laughs> idea that i'm going to get the prime minister of the country involved and it's not like i could pick up the phone and say all right dave uh you know can you uh, can you help me out um i started to get into this whole world of networking and influencing and building my way up so you may have heard of the you know the six degrees of separation or the three circles. Uh, not the 50 shades of gray that's not that story with today about, <laughs> wrong but- circle <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but it's essentially what it's saying is you're only three steps or six degrees uh, to the connection that you want to be at but what i was learning uh, when i was watching this all unroll is um it unravel sorry is that when you get to that point of destination connection you've got to have a damn good reason to be there and you've got to have also this influence that's built you there. It's easier and better to be endorsed into something than try to introduce yourself into something. Mm. So I use, the, uh, I use the, 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 the sort of experience of building trust and reputation in, in small networks to be endorsed up to the next level, up to the next level, up to the next level. So by around about November, 2012, I had started to um, conceptualize this idea by April, 2000 and uh, sorry by November 2011 I'd conceptualized it by April 2012 I was going to Downing Street to meet the Prime Minister okay and um, when I got there I um, I wasn't presented with the Prime Minister I was presented with a special advisor to the Prime Minister. And I'm like, this is ain't on. I want to speak to the Prime Minister. I thought I've seen the Prime Minister. And they go, he's here, but he's entertaining the Portuguese Prime Minister. You're not able to see him. Anyway, I got this whole thing where I'm I'm spilling my guts, and all I was getting is this nodding going on. I don't know if the guy was listening to me or listening to Beyonce basically on his his, (laughs) basically. But the top top and tail of it is, is this whole hour went by, and then I got that magic sentence, Brandon. Thanks for coming. Thanks for sharing all of this. Send us some details and we'll get back to you. Now, when you hear that, what do you think that is? That's a, for me, that's a polite get out, basically, right? I couldn't, you know, this was coming from my heart, not my head. You know, my mouth's going to write checks, my body can't cash. I said, no, this this isn't enough. I go, you know, does the prime minister not understand that youth will have votes and they, you know, he could be elected out if he doesn't you know, support young people, whatever it was, got to the stage where they gave me my phone, they gave me my bag, and they, you know, I'm by the door and the guy says, look, seriously, send some stuff and I'll get back to you. He closes the door and I wanted to get a picture taken in, fr- in front of the magic number 10 door. Um, Just as I was about to have that picture taken, the door opened again and the guy that I just met said, look, he goes, it's four o'clock now. He goes, the prime minister's got a reception this evening at six. He goes, do you think you can make it? And I said, Will I get to meet the Prime Minister? He goes, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm down. So I left kind of bouncing, you know, out. I, I was doing the whole limp walk as I walked out, basically, as in I'm, <laughs> I'm a G, basically. Um, instead of going out and going to a coffee shop and sitting there for two hours, I walked into an establishment and sat down and had six pints of beer, uh, no food, and, and, and I'm Facebooking the world telling everyone I'm going to meet the Prime Minister. Six o'clock turns around. I feel I feel a bit woozy. Um, I walk out. It's absolutely pouring down with rain. Um, I've got an umbrella. I get back to Downing Street. I'm wet soaking. I feel like a drunken rat. I go into this room. It's full. It's got Facebook, Home Retail Group, all these big brands and everyone. Up steps the prime minister. I'm like, wow, I've, I've actually, I'm in the same room as the man basically. He gives this massive talk about how our young people are our future and we need to support them on particular things, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes down off the off the, the sort of stand and he's making his way through the crowd, meeting people. And I'm like, oh my God, he's coming closer and closer to me. So what do I do? I turn around for a bit of Dutch courage, I pick up a glass of wine, finish that one, pick up another glass of wine, uh, pick that up. You know, by the time I'm going for my third glass of wine, after six beers, um, I'm not a brilliant drinker. um, He's right in front of me and he goes, hi, I'm David. And at that point, um, most people think I kind of vomited on him. But actually, I was vigorously shaking his hands. I know who you are. And do you know when you've got this whole thing of you've got your 15 seconds of fame and it's passing you by? Well, my 15 seconds of fame were passing me by, literally. I could not manifest any of the words that I wanted to out of me, not because I was drunk. I don't know what it was. It got to a stage where I kicked myself in, but by that time, the prime minister turned around and said, um, thank you very much for coming. I've got other guests to me, enjoy the reception. At which point, this time my body wrote a check that my body can't cash. As he moved, I made an immediate reaction and I grabbed his arm. And I'm like, oh, my God, they'll never let Indians back into Downing Street ever again. I'm <laughs> surprised. The room was that busy. No security saw that. I grabbed his arm, but I pulled him around. In 45 seconds. I gave him the pitch of my life, basically. I turned around and I explained everything that I was trying to do, what was stopping me. And I said, I don't want money. I just need endorsement. I just need some a letter from you that says that you're behind this and I'll go off and make the, this happen. Now, this was, I say, in April 2012. In October 2012, I raised 250,000. I put together a three-day showcase called Youth Enterprise Live. We had 18,500 young people impacted by that event. We gave away 3,000 apprenticeships, 300 jobs. Uh, We gave three quarters of a million pounds um, out in loans to start up businesses and 150,000 pounds in social impact funds. And this started just as a plain idea. Um, So what that kind of transessed into as I I was then summoned back after the event, I thought I was going to get arrested, basically for the (laughs) manhandling. And, you know, he's sitting there with me, And the Prime Minister, and he's just looking at me and I'm like, man, say something, I should say something, say something. And he just comes out and he goes, you're quite a disruptor, aren't you? And I'm like, oh, I like that. I like that. And he goes, look, he goes, I really, I really like your style. He goes, you know, you're not going to give up. You believe in what you're doing. You, you, you're, you know, you're tenacious, etc. He goes, how would you like to, um, you know, play a role with, uh, with what we're doing? You know, so that prime minister just moved into sole premiership from a coalition government. Um, so there were a couple of policies and stuff that he wanted to shift. He actually gave me a job. He gave me the opportunity to become the special advisor on youth policy and allowed me to disband uh, a, a youth contract and um, build what we have today in the UK called the Startup Loans Programme, uh, which has now invested over $700 million into startups by 18 to 30-year-olds. Um wow. It also launched my international career because I had governments all over the world saying can you come and help us with our youth movements and stuff. So, what I want to finish off with, uh, with this story is as I say, it's not the magnitude of your results, it's the intensity of that result and impact, which is the most important thing. I had an idea, I followed that strategy, I followed my heart, I stayed consistent to to where it was. No matter how much people were pushing me away, rejecting me, I set my sights on on a superpower that could help me unlock certain things. He he had the superpower of, um, of the endorsement, I had the superpower of the strategy to make this happen. Together, we produced an impact that, actually took me to a place that I would never dreamt of or I don't think I would ever been. You and I probably wouldn't be having this conversation because the likes of Brian and Carrie, for example, wouldn't have known who I was from these kind of things. I mean, I know you're in your network, you know people like Steve Sims. I know Steve and, and stuff like this. There, there are a circle of people who wouldn't know who I am if I hadn't done the kind of international stuff. I've worked in Thailand. I've been an advisor to the sixth president of Mauritius. I'm currently working on the blockchain adoption strategy for Georgia. And this is what Brian meant by, here is a guy who doesn't um, sell to clients. He, he he sells to countries. For me, um, it transformed my life. Uh, it transformed the way that I, I do. But I'm still me. I'm still Ken. I'm still the guy who's the strategist. I'm still the person who who can build the impact to the value. I'm still the yeah. guy that's a that simple principle in life. So so whatever whatever you take away from this, um, for anyone that's listening to this right now, don't worry about what your superpower is. Don't worry about anything else about, apart from understanding that your results and your impact don't have to be mag- of magnitude. It's the intensity of what you're doing. You know, at the end of the day, everything starts by one. So even if you make one person, you change one person's life, you don't understand the ripple that that will have. They will go on and change another person's life. That person will change someone else's life and understand that you are part of a system that's going to have a ripple effect. And if you follow that, you will always be successful in your head. And if you are successful in your head, that will get you to where you want to get to.
0: Yeah. So, so beautiful. I just want to, I know we're already over on time, so you're being (laughs) very generous with sharing, but your stories are so powerful. And I I just want to add some things to what you just said, and then we can kind of conclude, but just mm. a pattern that I've observed from some incredibly successful people that I've had the opportunity of spending some time with is that sometimes if you're having trouble solving a problem at one level, the solution is actually the level above it. And right. so like, that's exactly what we talked about with the prime minister. It's like, you were having trouble getting your foot in the door with companies, right? But then you're like, well, what if I just had the the prime minister as, as somebody that can endorse me? You know, it's like I had Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank on and he was yeah. like, how do I get a million? downloads on my pod on on the app he's like i could get them one by one doing marketing or i could develop a relationship with the ceo of sprint and have them pre-installed on every single phone and it, it's funny you mentioned steve sims because at the time we're recording yeah. this i i i did round three with steve last yeah. week uh, for his new book that's coming on but like the fun thing about tying in with steve and what you just said it's like the the most important thing is that you can ask. Like you you literally, all you have to do is ask. Um, maybe your solution isn't having six beers and three glasses of wine before yeah, talking no, about Prime Minister. I don't even know maybe, maybe don't try to uh, redo that part of it. But the fact that you asked, the fact that you had the ability and, and made it inside your mind that it was something that you were able to do is really what opened the door that, to all that, these And that
1: philosophy, things. that philosophy, Brandon, it, it sits on... The ethos of it's better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission yeah. um, and yeah. and 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 it's it's kind of that thing i'm not saying you've got to be out of your comfort zone and push and and go off and try to do something that's unnatural to you but i think if you have worked to um uh, to get to uh to get to a point and you're literally there and you know you're so close to it that you don't and you give up i think what you do is you undo all the greatness that you you had and remember things of greatness are never going to be able you're not going to be able to achieve anything of greatness without the help of others but it's understanding that others need to understand what value they play and you've got to understand what value you mean to them so you know i had to find a way of getting the prime minister's attention now i'm not saying it's about being drunk fueled and manhandling but there are some certain things that i was saying in my pitch which were look i can be a value asset to you and all i'm asking you is to unlock a bit of value for me and once. once you discover what value exchange really means, you will see that it's interstellar. That's that's the, that's the biggest thing, and that's what we do it all day, all all the lives. Look, you and I are talking today. We're doing, we're having a conversation, but we're exchanging value along the way. We're giving value to your listeners. They are going to take this value and then apply that value somewhere else. The ripple of value works all the way through everything in here. So it's not just about knowing your place; it's knowing um, the profound. Intensity of the impact that you of what value you bring to the table. Once you do that, you become indispensable. You become a superhero. You become yeah. unbeatable in in that particular area. Which means that no matter where they want you or don't want you, you're going to be there. Um, and that's what gets you to uh, your expectation and your delivery um, aligned. And and
0: and yeah, and, and, you know, for me, that's that's success. So so beautiful. Well, I have. One question that I love to ask all guests. I know we're already kind of over, so I'll let I'll leave it up to you. Do you have a time to answer one more yeah, quick course, question? Then absolutely. we can pl- okay, cool. So the, the, the question that I love to ask guests when I have the time is just to see the commonality between all these guests is what does happiness mean to you today?
1: So to me, happiness is fulfilling what's important to you today, not trying to achieve what you feel you or you think you need tomorrow or trying to dig up what you uh, what you missed out in the past. So it's all about living now because that's the only way that you can live and it's about delivering on the priorities that are most important to you today that's what gives me happiness um or makes me feel happy um it's not material it's not uh, physical it's not emotional it's it's what's important to me today
0: yeah Beautiful. We'll not add anything else on top of that. Besides, where can people find out about all the incredible stuff that you're up to? I know you just exited, so you got a huge. You, you're you're starting over in a brand new, bigger, grander yeah. way. So tell us, tell us. No, like- you know, as a,
1: as you said about happiness, one of the things that was very important to me is I needed to find um, uh, a new happiness for me. During lockdown, we got to the situation where. Um, I was feeling the burnout after 12 years of doing what I was doing. And don't get me uh, wrong, the, the journey that Enterprise Labs has been on is tremendous. The people I've met, places I've been, the things that I've done, the change, the lives that I've changed has been inspiring. But I felt that I've got something more to give. Um, so I decided to start restructuring Enterprise Lab ready for for sale. And I launched 77 um, which is my venture partner that works within the creative industries. And I, I'm now actually speeding up. We've got about three spin spin-offs coming out of this. We do investments into media tech, um, but it's all around media, entertainment and sports. So for me, it's about now enjoying uh, or having a bit more fun with the work that I'm doing. So it's still in the same principle and verticals. Um, but look, if you're looking for me, uh, you'll find me, uh, on LinkedIn mainly, uh, don't search Cretan marijuana. You won't find me. It's Ketan. <laughs> uh, there's not many of me, uh, available out there. And, um, and if you see a bold, beautiful guy, then that's, you've got the right guy or come and visit us at 77.ventures. Uh, so 70 is the word and then seven, the number.ventures. And, um, look, if I can help any of you in anything, just holler at me
0: and we'll have a chat. Love it. Love it. So, so much fun. Thank you so much for coming today. I just want to have a really quick conversation with you listening right now. And I just want to say you could be listening to any other podcast right now. You could be doing anything else, but you clicked on this episode and man, you were in for a ride. And the, the favor that I have to ask you is if you have heard something today, if you'd heard a story that touched you or gave you an insight, my life has absolutely been changed by podcasts that have been shared with me. And so you absolutely have that power, whether it was the cretin marijuana story that made you laugh, or maybe it was the, the the triangle and understanding about what business that you're actually in that will make a profound difference. Or maybe it's understanding about the intensity of the impact or the versus the magnitude of the impact. Those are all things that can create domino effects on multiple people's lives. So my ask for you is that you um, pay, pay this forward by sharing this with somebody because it can absolutely change someone's life. And Man, this has been such an incredible episode. Ketan, anything that you want to say before we wrap up today?
1: Uh, no, it's been an absolute honor and pleasure. And look, you know, if um, if you want me on at any time again, just let me know if there's anything else. Um, even if you're listening to this and you have questions and you direct them straight back to Brandon, feel free, Brandon, to send them on to me and I'm happy to answer anything here. So look, thank you for listening to this. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I really appreciate you allowing me to share my, my stories and experiences. I, re- I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you soon.